Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Preece of Copper Beach Financial Group. For longtime listeners, you'll know that these gentlemen have done a ton of podcasts, very educational stuff. But right now, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm super excited because the gentlemen are going to cover a case study, meaning they're going to just kind of walk through something that they've done, somebody that they've worked with, all the intricacies. To me, it's fascinating. So I, I hope you are excited as, as I am. Gentlemen, I love it when you do case studies. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of our more fun ones to do as well, Eric. And I, I know that, um, and we've gotten great feedback from our listeners on that too. I yeah. think it does put put things in perspective in, in real terms because a lot of what we talk might talk about and do planning for is, you know, we talk about it without a lot of context. So I think having these case studies really puts, you know, some of the quantitative it's real. we do. It's yeah. a real event. It, it happened. <laughs> yep. I think anybody that's listening can, and like every piece of the case study is not going to fit them, but I, I know that they can feel themselves in the shoes of the story that you're telling in certain aspects. That's what I like about it because it really triggers a lot of questions. I know that you've received a lot of questions after some of these podcasts have been released. Hey, I'm similar to A, B, and C. Could you help me and my family in this situation? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and and you know, I think what we might talk about is uh, I, we might try to do not one but two case studies, perhaps today. But I yeah. think one is for probably more of a why it didn't work, and the other one is one that did work. And I think it probably highlights a little bit about the the way that we can help families the way that families view us and sometimes it just it it's just not a fit and that's perfectly fine and and we'll hopefully illustrate that through today's podcast i want you to talk about the let's start with the one that maybe didn't work out as well oh that was a fun case <laughs> yeah there's a case we got referred to this particular client by another client as you already know we, we only really work on a referral basis from our families Occasionally, we we get a new client from other sources, but primarily it's from from clients. And we got a call from a client said, "Listen, you need to really uh, speak to this gentleman. He has some issues that needs to be addressed." I, I introduced your your kind of company to him, and he's he's very interested in talking to you guys. So we made arrangements to see him. He's uh, right across the bridge here uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, went to see him. Uh, wonderful guy. Uh, his nephew attended the meeting, and uh, we had chit chat. And our first step, if you recall, is more of an interview, because because to Michael's point a few minutes ago, not everyone can work with us, so we help. We try to help that along the way initially to see if this would fit. Now, after the brief conversation we had with this gentleman, I remember leaving that that first meeting and said, "I don't think he's going to fit." because he doesn't have some of the components that we look for. But the guy had major issues. I'm talking about major issues. So both Michael and I agreed that we would pursue, go through our audit process just to see if we could figure out how he might be able to uh, work with us. And it went very, very well. We put the audit together. Michael's team did a great job, collected all the data. Uh, very, very complex case, uh, very complex situation. And uh, and we had a, a, an audit report to him and walked him through all his uh, 
issues. Like most of our audits discover a lot of problems that families have in their planning. And our job is to try to fix those, those, those problems. So he was extremely motivated to take a look at it. And Michael, Michael spent a lot of time with him, specifically on the estate plan. And Michael, why don't you talk a little bit about your, your role in that conversation? I was there with you, but Michael had a, had a very deep conversation about his goals and objectives, what he was trying to accomplish from an estate planning standpoint. He had a very successful company with a succession that was a little different for us. So Michael, why don't you walk through that? Yeah, it was, it was a family business. As you mentioned, Dad, his nephew was involved in pretty much every meeting, I think, that we- He was. Uh, we had had with with uh, the business owner, but he did not. The nephew did not own any of of the business. So, the business owner was not married, did not have any children. He was again working with his nephew. His nephew was sort of the heir apparent to the business and was actually uh, uh, re- really in many ways running the day to day. Yeah, he was president. Of the company. Yeah. So, if you talk about a lot of what we or if you've listened to a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, business succession is a key component of what we do. And and oftentimes trying to find that next generation of leader is a really big project that we work on. Fortunately for this business owner, I, I think he had somebody that, that could take Outstanding. the company. Yeah, he was a great leader. Uh, the challenge was, for the business owner was uh, he had a very successful company. He had significant estate tax exposure. He had very, really... I don't want to say no liquidity to pay for it, but not much liquidity to pay for it. And so the the problem uh, for him was how do we how does he protect the value of that company to get to his nephew? Um, in addition, he had uh, several uh, siblings as well that he was leaving some of his estate uh, to those siblings. Now, what was interesting about this uh, the the estate plan that was that we reviewed in this audit process, he was leaving his business to his nephew. Um, that was a, a, probably 80 per, 80 85% of his overall net worth was going to his nephew and again his thought was his nephew's involved in the company and, and um and so that would make sense his siblings were going to receive everything else that he had that was that was his plan the challenge was um he had an estate tax exposure that was to be paid out of the what we call the residuary estate which is everything that was going to his siblings and if you did the math on on the estate plan, all of that residuary estate would get would get eaten up in taxes because that was how his will was written. It's actually a very common provision to include in an estate planning document, but because of the, the asset makeup of his estate and his net worth, it just didn't fit practically, which again, I think is a you know a good testament to, you know, you might have a a, a good document, estate document legally that works. It just might not work for you. In this particular plan. And the key element, he was not married. Remember how the yeah. state plan works. You could pass anything or everything to your wife tax-free, regardless of the size of your state. The taxes do when it passes to the kids. So in this case, he didn't have a spouse, so we're directly to his nephew. So right there was a big bombshell that okay, how's this tax going to be paid? I'm sorry, Michael. No, that's a good, that's a that's a great point to bring up. So that became really from a project standpoint, something that we we wanted to um, work on. Pretty much right out of the gate, and so we brought in an, an attorney to help uh, facilitate and structure to try to lower the client's estate through various gifting strategies that we've talked about on some prior podcasts. But really, I think at the end of the day, why it didn't necessarily work out is because of the family makeup. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to imply that he didn't wasn't concerned about the estate taxes, but I, th- I think that it does tend. I think his view was. 
I'm going to leave this very successful operation to my nephew. And that's going to be something that everybody else has to figure out if I'm not here. Am I, am I reading into that, that I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think it just illustrates sometimes why there's a, again, we might not be the best fit for, for this client. And that was what we thought of when we left that first meeting is, eh, you might. Yeah. It, we, we tried to, it, we tried to drag him through it. Uh, but I don't think, and, and, and I kind of understand a little bit, Eric, because when you don't, when you have the, the kind of net worth he had, uh, the tax issue was not his problem. It was everybody else's problem. He, he, he wanted to live his life. He, he had a bunch of airplanes. He lived in a very <laughs> traveled a lot. Just a very successful gentleman. Nice guy. Really, really nice guy. But just if there's no sense, if there's no children, if there's no spouse, and there's there's nephews and nieces or the family members, it, it wasn't a focus of this. So he didn't really care about the tax. But he left that burden and, and to this day, he probably still has that burden to everybody else to try to figure out. But Michael's key point, there was no liquidity to do that. So what? But basically, might what will happen if he doesn't have enough liquidity? They have to sell off assets to pay the tax, and that's a fire sale. That's what I refer to as a fire sale, because how the tax works, if you recall, you have to pay within nine months of the day of death, and 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 to liquidate a company, to liquidate real estate he had, airplanes, whatever, it would be it would be catastrophic. But it did did that he didn't care about that from our sense. And both Mike and I decided that it probably wasn't going to work uh, working with him. And he agreed, by the way. The client said, listen, it just doesn't fit. I see what you guys are trying to do. You guys do some great work, but it doesn't fit you know, my needs. So to Michael's point, it was a case that just didn't flow. Uh, the good news is I think he's still working with the attorney that referred in there, at least to get the estate plan that needed to be corrected. But the tax is still looming, I would I would think, uh, at this, we don't know. But it was a major issue. Yeah. So that's, um, I think that's pretty much it on that. Yeah, I, I, we dig it deeper, yeah. but it's not. It's not that great. It just did work. But I, but I think to to contrast that with with a case that I think did work, uh, and, the, and a family that we've been working with for a, a good number of years that had much more of a multi generational focus, uh, which is I think where we can really really add a lot of value. Uh, so maybe why don't you introduce this this family and and. Yeah, the, the, the CFO referred us to this family. Now, the CFO knew, knew about Copper Beach. The challenge was we're on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast. It's, it's kind of a funny story I'll share with you in a second. So so the CFO uh, convinced the three siblings, the three family uh, members that were working uh, the company. Dad was still alive. Dad gave him the stock a few years before that. Dad was still involved, but the three kids really ran the business. So we, we fly out. And they're, you know, golf attire, you know, they're casual. It's an agricultural uh, company. Uh, so they're very, you know, they're very casual people. So we show up in our power suits. <laughs> it was kind of, we were suits, we wear suits. So we showed up and we made our presentation. And it was interesting. Uh, the father walked in and sat down uh, during the meeting. So we didn't think much of it. And uh, so we spent an hour, hour and a half going through our processes, how we work, whatever. And the, the the father sat there pretty much for about an hour, and the meeting ended, and we we walked out. Uh, everybody walked out, and one of the, the daughters came in and said, "I've never seen anything like it." I said, "Okay, <laughs> what? I never saw my dad sit more more longer in a meeting ever. I, I, he's ten minutes and he's out. He sat an hour, so he must have really liked what you guys had to say. As it turns out, his the, the father was the one that convinced them that we were the right fit for them." 
Uh, that's that's part of the story. So it was it was it was a it, 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 I guess that had instincts that we had the right solutions, the right answers, and we proceeded. And we started to work with the family. Very complex situation. Uh, uh, Michael, why don't you go into the minority owned piece of the business that's owned by women? Females. Sure. So that was a big uh, component of their company is that they had some key contracts with with key customers and vendors that wanted to work with minority-owned businesses. And so the fact that uh, this business was a uh, minority-owned, women-owned, majority-owned business and had certifications to do that, that was a key component from an estate plan design that they they could not jeopardize that type of uh, that certification because it would have jeopardized their business and, and these customers that they had. So we were going through a similar design from an estate planning standpoint was to be able to transfer and freeze at the value of the siblings' estates by transferring value in their company to a trust vehicle. The trust design had to be, again, designed in such a way to not violate this certification. So it was a very complicated um, design to put in place. And we had to work with the attorneys to make sure that by tr- making this transfer, that wasn't going to violate that certification. That was a that was a lot of work to to get that done, which we which we were able to accomplish. So that was that was wonderful to uh, to see happen. Now, what what had happened probably I think three or so years maybe after we started working with the family, um, the father uh, became sick. Father was I think in his mid to late seventies, I believe at the time, uh, and and ended up um, becoming ill. And we had uh, spent a good amount of time in our relationship with. The next generation, second generation, and their estate plan, but there was still planning that we always knew had to be done for, for for dad in this case, uh, and that we we weren't able to focus on because we were spending all of our time with generation two. Well, when we realized that generation one was sick and dad was sick, um, we had to really shift gears very quickly. So, a, a big thing that we did was again generational coordination of of these estate plans was to make sure that based on what dad's estate plan called for. And this is, a, a, a again, we've probably brought this up a few times, is when you look at estate planning, you're working with a successful business owner, as an example. Always really look at what your parents have in place from an estate planning standpoint and how that's structured. If, you're, if you have an estate tax exposure and you have a successful company and you have a high income, the assets that are being passed down to you from that upline generation might not be something that that you need for your lifestyle. Right? It could just become a more of a tax headache for you and and harder for your advisors to work with your planning. So that was the the context that we had here. Dad had a successful uh, estate, had an estate tax exposure. He was leaving all of that, all of those assets outright to his children. So the the Gen two business owners that we are working with. Now, if you do the math on that, there's generational, we call it waterfall estate tax exposure. If you look at that type of plan, dad had an estate tax exposure. He was leaving to his kids when he passed away. By the way, he had a um, uh, a second marriage, dad. I was just going to say. Yeah, he was, he was leaving uh, some assets to his second wife, but the majority of that was going to go to his kids. So as you mentioned earlier, dad, we now had an estate tax exposure at that first death versus in most cases, when you transfer assets to a spouse, there is no estate tax until it goes down the generational line. So we had to worry about about that issue. But we had that estate exposure, which was just going to increase the estate exposure of Gen 2. So we had to 
to really jump on that type of planning and bring in the advisors to help with that as well. Yeah, and the plan on our dad was successful. We we could we diverted all that tax to zero based on the planning we did. But what was interesting about what we uncovered through his data, he had a big pension plan at IRAs that he was leaving his pension plan at IRAs to his three kids. Not his, not his spouse. So it unravel all that, which was a nightmare to do because it would have caused all kinds of problems in California if that, if that would occur. So we caught a lot of errors along the way and fixed them. And uh, we probably saved probably three to $5 billion in estate taxes on, on working with that G1 to G2. So it was very successful uh, uh, as far as looking at that, that, that waterfall situation that Michael brought up, we have to we have to kind of protect the families on on that tax tax exposure. Yeah, and and when you're working with a blended family like that, there are of course different dynamics from a planning standpoint that have to be managed, and that was um, one of those areas. Again, based on uh, state law, there are certain let's say restrictions with disinheriting a spouse, and this is something that comes into play. In various contexts, in this case, with that IRA, the fact that that was being left to the children and not his his spouse could cause some friction, both legally and then, of course, obviously, you know, because of the legal issues, could result in a in a family disharmony. So there's a lot of planning that we had to do and conversations that we had to have with particularly the Gen two family members to again account for that, being proactive because that's something that again, when when you look at planning. And obviously, the loss of a parent and a loved one is a traumatic event in and of itself. And when you add sort of these financial uncertainties or these financial conflicts that can sometimes crop up, that's really where you try to avoid those by being proactive and doing planning ahead of time and looking at that. So again, why we're talking about this case as this case study is one that worked out well is because that was the the family really understood the benefits of looking at that, whereas the prior family, again, might not be a concern for that business owner that we talked about earlier, and that's fine. But it really, again, illustrates, I think, the type of family that I think we fit best with. Not that we can't help everybody, but the family that I think we fit best with. Yeah. One of the things happens along the way here with our families, I'll give you you an example. When we bring a new family on and and we talk about our fee arrangement, the typical reaction that we get sometimes is, okay, you and Michael put this wonderful plan together. It's going to take a couple of years. Then what are you going to do? What's your arrangement with us? How is, how is that all going to work? So we, we re-educate them on that our goals are not necessarily just to work with you. It's really manage that financial success through G2 and G3. We, we look at the generations, that, and Eric, you already know that. So we have to get the client to understand all that. But I'm telling you that this piece of it, because this family we're working with had that conversation with us. And I think they've been with us nine years. We haven't stopped working on projects with them for nine years. And the project is getting larger and larger by the day. And right now we're in the throes of building a deferred comp strategy to retention of key employees because everybody in the world's having problems finding talent for their companies. So retention now has become a conversation with a lot of our families. How do I retain these good people? How do I set up bonus structures? How do I retain them? They're not going to walk out and headhunt by somebody. So we're, we're always working on projects with this family, and they're very successful ones. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a short personal story just happened two weeks ago. When I went to our conference, this family that we obviously we're talking about always comes to our conferences. 
and uh, one of the parties uh, grab me at the bar have some cocktails at the bar go go figure Eric. have a cocktails at the bar anyway so we're chit-chatting and leaned over and he said i want to thank you and michael one more time i said about what he said what you did for their dad was fabulous because i i know how much money you saved the family in taxes and I, I, and your professionalism, how you handle it, how you work with us, how you work with them, was wonderful. I wanted to thank you again for for keeping everything whole. So I, that was out of the blue, and I had to talk to this gentleman for probably four or five years. But they re, they remember some of the impact we've had. At least you hope they do, and this family does. So it's kind of wonderful to see that the progression of the impact we have for families. But we often talk about a lot of things we put in place. We're not going to be around to see G three. You follow me? So so we we hope that they they see the vision of what we're trying to do. But again, this family has been almost nine years. Their projects get more intense. Uh, we're, we're always saving them tax dollars, always moving wealth generationally. We've been doing it very successfully for this family. So it, it's a it's a process. It's ongoing. It never stops, especially if you're a business owner. There's always challenges. Right, Eric? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that, that comes to mind is when you're, you know, the the old saying, and I, I, I think it was Einstein that talked about the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest, mm-hmm. right? What you guys are doing is compounding, right? So the you mentioned probably save them two to three million in 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 taxes, estate taxes at that point, or or whatever it was that that you really changed in them. That is going to compound for the I mean, not not just the money part. Oh, you're right. The way that you help them structure. So in other words, continuing to work with them, continuing to you know now try to have a deferred comp uh, strategy or some other things in place so that they keep key employees. That's a compounding thing that you're doing year after year, even if you have that four or five year gap where you don't speak to one part of the party uh, because you've already got things in place. That's just what flooded my mind is like all these different things that you're putting in place. All of that's compounding through the next couple of generations, even if, you know, heaven forbid, you're not there to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we often say it's not the tax savings itself. It's what those tax savings could grow to. Absolutely. For the, the future generations or for charity, right? And what's interesting about, we didn't really get into this, but I think that these tax savings that we were able to save from Gen 1 to Gen 2 had an impact with the family creating a family foundation. Correct. Uh, because it allowed for, they said, okay, well, we, we have this tax savings. What can we do with it? And that's, that's something that the family always wanted to do. And we helped them with that as well. So it, 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 to your point, Eric, it you, you think generationally, but it does open up more avenues that you can use these funds for, whether it's philanthropy, whether it's um, the family itself, that's a, that's obviously going to be customized to each family and what their goals are for those tax savings. But you're right. it's It has a big impact long-term. If you go back to the beginning, how we, when we started working with this family, if you look at our impact, as we discussed, we saved a bunch of estate taxes for G1 to G2. And the planning we did for G2, we saved taxes from G2 to G3. So it, it all is that generational scheme that we talk about, that waterfall tax that Michael mentioned. We, we protect the family. And to your comment, compounding of wealth, think about the compounding of that tax savings to the families at the generations. It's tremendous. So we monitor all that. We stay on top of it. We work with the family quarterly. They just attended our conference. They come every year. Uh, it's just a great relationship. They're a great family. And now they're a family to us, like most of our family. So it's, it's just a, a wonderful thing to see the impact you have 
uh, on the planet that we do. Yeah, and and to what's now started to come up is the third generation is starting to um, leave college. They're starting their careers. There are more conversations around whether they want to get involved in the business or not, uh, and that's going to be you know a big project that that we work on with that family and and how that is going to be structured and whether they come right into working in the business or they work outside the family. There's a, there's a lot of dynamics issues and planning that needs to be done on that side. And so again, it's that multi-generational component on top of the fact that, okay, now we've put a lot of things in place. We've had a lot of uh, family meetings with regard to, okay, who's going to help manage all of this? And now my children need to be educated, that Gen 3 need to be educated on these structures that we've put in place. And that's really, again, where you start, we talk about the backstage of what Copper Beach does and and working generationally with families. All of this comes into play, particularly when you have a business, a successful business like they do. It's not always about money, Eric, as you and I talked about in the past. It's more to this, at least we believe it is. Money is just a driving force for families to be successful, but how do you control it? How do you manage it? How do you protect it? How do you diversify it? How do you educate? It's just an ongoing project. Again, that's why I created Copper Beach uh, many, many years ago. Yeah, so, I mean, that's fantastic. Again, I love the fact that you're just so tightly knit with these families through the generations because that's, I mean, as a family office, that's what I have always envisioned when you guys have talked about this from the yep. very first podcast, right? I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Um, so I just love that. I love these types of case studies. I love these kind of stories. Uh, because it, it it shows the dedication, and that's I don't know. That's why I like working with you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, and we, we it, you know, I, I'm never bored. We're always working on projects. It's mm-hmm. always a challenge for us. It's the, to Michael's point. Now G three's coming on board. They have questions as well. We just uh, you know, finished our conference a couple weeks ago, and G three was in that room, and she wants to come back every year. Now we're thinking about just to, just to give you a little sidebar. We're thinking about. Uh, when we we do our annual conference, we're we're thinking about carving out a session for G two now, where mm-hmm. it, it'd be a three four hour afternoon session to educate G two on what G one put together and the reasons why, and so so and, and the clients are real excited about that. So now we're moving into this this now next step to working with G two, and that's also a success for our practice as well because it it grows our practice and it keeps it consistent. And it keeps everybody together. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, it's just, it's just, we think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful paradigm shift that, that we're creating. I think it, in our practice, uh, I'm a little proud of it because it does have impact. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else for closing thoughts today, Michael? No, I think that I hope that this was, you know, obviously we could have talked in a lot more detail on, on some of the planning that we did, but hopefully it was a, a good case there are two different case studies on on sort of one where you know it might not work out for various reasons and one where we think it did and so hopefully that that came across to our listeners here yeah and and, and the parallel that i drew between these two stories is you've got a gentleman that has worked hard very successful has the nephew but it's just one person Right? It's just just one nephew that's going to be taking over the business or is already working in the business. And so I think the overall attitude is I'm not really too concerned about it because he's going to, you know, he's running the show, so on and so forth. The second story, you, I think you mentioned there's three kids to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I, I think any parent is not that a nephew and, and a child is going to be that much different, you know, depending on how close they are. However, when you have multiple people that are involved, 
you have to strike that balance. You have to make sure it's fair. Yes. And, you know, it's you, you guys have spoken about fair versus equal before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got a lot to balance there, you know. And so I, I think that any parent's going to say, hey, look, anything I can do to stop these kids from squabbling you know, <laughs> or or going through a hardship, you know, when, when something happens, I want to make sure that 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 works out for everybody. So um, that's kind of where I saw these these two stories going. So I, I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. So. All right. And so if, if folks are just saying, hey, look, this is, you know, part of this is my story. Uh, and I'd like to explore that with these guys. Why don't you give them contact info so they can reach out? Sure. You can reach us on LinkedIn, uh, both my father and myself and Copper Beach. have a LinkedIn page. You can go to our website, which is www.cbfgllc.com. And you can call us on the phone, 856-988-8300. All right. Thank you, guys. It's been a great podcast. I love these case studies. I just love them. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you is going to go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review. This actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.